0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today I have to admit, I was wrong. Now, what was I wrong about? Well, as you can see on your screen, we're talking again today about Activision Blizzard and their lawsuit against the state of California for harassment and discrimination. But more specifically, I was wrong about how I thought Activision Blizzard would deal with this, the second kind of week of their having to address the issues presented before them. We've covered this in a number of videos in this space. As you can see, we've got a playlist ready for your perusal if you are so inclined to check it out. But as of the lawsuit being filed, one of the things that we saw from Activision Blizzard was a sense that they were being attacked by the state of California. A number of their statements said, we are being unjustly persecuted. And they said it in a fashion that I said, in these videos was potentially problematic. In fact, was problematic because the employees didn't buy it. That led to the walkout, the open letter, all the other trouble that they have gotten themselves into. And ultimately, the messaging from Activision just wasn't good enough to help stem the tide. One of those messages was from Blizzard president Jay Allen Brack, who we read through and looked at and pointed out some of the problems here. And so far as it Felt like they were just saying they feel your pain, but then had portions of the letter that came off essentially as disingenuous. You've got here references to Gloria Steinem. You've got here a lack of positive items that they intend to change. Basically saying, we are already the company you want us to be, which didn't ring true for a number of employees. In the face of all that, the last couple of days, we saw the Activision stock price absolutely tumble. You can see here as of this morning, we're down 12.33% this past month. You've got this overall decline and then this big jump down when Activision's messaging really left it and the employees effectively had a vote of no confidence in their leadership. Now, when that happened, it was always possible that Activision could decide to do something more drastic than just send emails and press releases but people ask me about it you'll see me appear on various shows I think this week talking about it and I said I thought it was unlikely that leadership would change this week primarily because in the face of taking a stance that California is absolutely wrong that this is unjust persecution and going out there with this kind of strong defense that Activision Blizzard had apparently planned It always looked to me like a certain admission of guilt at that point in time. If you start to change leadership at one of these companies within 10 days of that lawsuit being filed and with fewer days than you saying that everything is fine and we're going to fight this tooth and nail, then it starts to look like you're admitting something. And more specifically, strategically, it starts to look like you're going in a different direction. Well, lo and behold, as of this morning, just a few minutes ago, Activision Blizzard appears to have selected taking that new direction. You can see on your thumbnail, heads start to roll, and indeed they did. One of the biggest risks for anybody working at Activision Blizzard as part of this lawsuit is being named in this thing right now. Not as a defendant, because the state of California didn't do that, but they did name Alex Afrasiabi, who we found out had been let go from Activision last year for problems that they had identified, and... They mentioned Jay Allen Brack, president of Blizzard Entertainment, who allegedly had multiple conversations with Alex about his drinking and that he had been too friendly towards female employees, but gave him a slap on the wrist in response to these incidents. That's from the state of California. Obviously, these are all allegations. But when you're named like that, you get into the firing line. Now, the people that I thought were closest to this firing line were Alex Mr. Brack and Fran Townsend, who wrote the letter that we've talked about in this space that really fomented employee angst that led to that walkout. You could see her referenced in the demands from the people that participated in that walkout. Nothing has happened to her as of this moment, but stay tuned. You never know what's going to happen in Activision World. Instead, what we see in this letter to the investors is... President and Chief Operating Officer Daniel Allegri regarding Blizzard Entertainment. And he says, he sent this to all employees this morning. I am pleased to announce that effective immediately, Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra have been appointed co-leaders of Blizzard. Jen and Mike will share responsibility for development and operational accountability for the company. Now we're going to take a look at two sets of messages here. This is the investor message. You can see the change in leadership referenced first. We're also going to look at the customer-facing message that Blizzard put up on its forum at the same time. Same substance, different technique in messaging. So I think that's pretty interesting because we can see in this investor letter, you don't see Jay Allen Brack referenced. You aren't talking about a firing or somebody moving on. You're instead talking about the changes at the leadership level as good things. These are new people. Hey, stock price, come on up. Jen O'Neill, Mike Ibarra, both are leaders of great character, they say, and integrity and are deeply committed to ensuring our workplace is the most inspired, welcoming environment for creative excellence and to upholding our highest game development standards. That's games. You could see the reference in the sentence right before that about operational accountability kind of a corporate code phrase for they're going to start to clean up blizzard they're going to try to drain the swamp whatever you like they're going to try to make this place a better place to work many of us already know mike and jen and have experienced their leadership their empathy and their unwavering sense of accountability a lot of these references are all related not just to a leadership change they're unusual for that context but The context of the last 10 plus days dealing with this lawsuit. You could see already just in this messaging, a different kind of approach. Activision Blizzard is taking action because they need to, yes, the stock price and everything else, but they appear to be moving away from that kind of confrontational defensiveness that we saw really mark their original responses to the lawsuit. Jen is an 18-year company veteran company there being important, not Blizzard. We're going to talk about her history in just a second. And the former head of Vicarious Visions studio. As executive vice president of development at Blizzard, she has been providing senior development leadership and support to the Diablo and Overwatch franchises. In fact, if you go, you can look at Vicarious Visions. You see that they worked on Skylanders. They helped make A lot of Toys to Life money for Activision in the early 2010s. More recently, they worked on that Crash Bandicoot remaster. They worked on Tony Hawk's remaster. And apparently, they've been working on Diablo 2 Resurrected uh, as part of their projects as well. But, of course, all good things must come to an end. And Vicarious Visions, as we reported on here in Virtual Legality, was merged into Blizzard earlier this year. And Jen O'Neill was promoted question mark, to Blizzard Executive Vice President of Development, where she joins the company's leadership team and will report directly to Blizzard President Jay Allen Brack. Not anymore. Instead, Jen O'Neill will be helping to lead Blizzard in a co-leadership capacity with who? With Mike Ibarra, who has been in technology and gaming industries for over 20 years, according to this letter, including seven years as a senior executive at Microsoft's Xbox division. Most recently, Mike was Executive Vice President and General Manager of Platform and Technology at Blizzard, overseeing Battle.net and our development services organization. So Mike Ibarra comes with a slightly cleaner slate. Now, Jen O'Neill doesn't have a dirty slate or anything like that, except that she has been involved with Activision Blizzard at Vicarious Visions for a long number of years. Now, one of the interesting things about the California lawsuit is even though they reference affiliates and other parties related to Activision Blizzard as coming under the ambit of the California investigation, they don't actually reference the Activision Blizzard subsidiaries directly, other than Blizzard, who's really a part of the parent organization. So we don't know anything bad about Vicarious Visions. Uh, certainly Mike Ibarra coming from Microsoft is useful for purposes of this kind of announcement, because what you're trying to do is establish that this is a clean slate. This is a new thing that you're doing. We're going to make this a better place. And so you've got Mike from outside, you've got Jen from Vicarious Visions, which is outside. And it should be noted strategically, it is very important in my opinion, that at least one of these leadership roles did go to a woman. Activision Blizzard is under fire for both promotion and titling of women in these roles. It looks like Jen O'Neill has the experience, the curriculum vitae that you would expect for one of these roles. And honestly, the only question that is raised by this is you took one person doing a job and you made it two. And one thing that I might follow up on if I were on an investor call or something like that is why, why did we need two people for this purpose. What are we trying to achieve here? You've got Mike, who appears to have a technology background. He was in charge of Battle.net and development services. Looks like Jen O'Neill has maybe a bit of a more creative background. She was running a studio. It's a little bit unclear. She does have a lot of experience, both in the industry and at Activision Blizzard, making video games directly for the company. What were you trying to achieve? Certainly, I think it was important to have a woman in the role. and, And I think that's wise from Activision Blizzard to do that. But why two people instead of one? I think it'll be interesting to see the answer to that question, but you'll also see here, no reference to Jay Allen Brack in the first one, two, three, four paragraphs. With their many years of industry experience and deep commitment to integrity and inclusivity, I am certain Jen and Mike will lead Blizzard with care, compassion, and a dedication to excellence. With Jen and Mike assuming their new roles, Jay Allen Brack is leaving the company to pursue new opportunities. That is all that is said to investors. Jay Allen Brack is leaving its last, even though he was the face of Blizzard for a good long time. In fact, on the thumbnail, you can see an image of him from some of the BlizzCons uh, that we have talked about. In fact, that might even be the BlizzCon, I'm not quite sure, uh, that had the Blitzchung controversy where, in fact, I became most familiar with him when we did our B- Blizzard of Backlash series here in Virtual Legality. But that's the only reference that he gets. And you can see that investor-facing-wise, they're trying to say, we're addressing this. We addressed it with people that already had connections with the company, but that don't have this taint about them because Blizzard is one of the focal points for the California litigation and that they are going to help lead us into the future with only kind of code phrases, right? Operational accountability, integrity, and inclusivity. I think there's a reference to empathy here uh, at some point. Empathy and unwavering sense of accountability, right? So we're trying to establish, yes, we're addressing those things. We don't want to put them in the investor-facing press release or really, honestly, the employee-facing email. But that kind of changes... When you look at the forum post that Blizzard Entertainment just made, we want to let you know about an important leadership change at Blizzard Entertainment. Starting today, Jay Allen Brack will be stepping down as the leader of the studio. So you see the reversal already in messaging. We talk about this a lot. You have to know who your audience is. When it comes to Blizzard fans, people that have been following the company, they know Jay Allen Brack as a personality. So the first thing you mention is he's leaving. Investors maybe don't know the personalities involved as much. They aren't fans of these companies as much as they are investors and return on investment opportunities. So you kind of reverse it. It's also worth noting here that effective immediately stepping down today is an unusual state of affairs for someone in that public-facing position. And we can all tell from context exactly why that's happening here. But every time I see this, and we saw kind of stepping down immediately in respective BioWare a little while back, it always rings of some potential problem, not a problem of this nature, not of this size even, but some friction between leadership or the board and management, whatever it might be. It is unusual for a public facing persona to have this kind of move. Now, it's also worth noting that Activision Blizzard being able to name new people as of today suggests that Jay Allen Brack and Activision didn't come to the decision this morning to do this. It's also suggested by the fact that it's very, very early in California as of right now. So this is at least a multi-day process, probably starting, in my opinion, when Activision Blizzard got that no confidence vote when they got that open letter, when the employees lost them, when the Gloria Steinem letter was clearly not going to do the job in order to assuage their workers. Once that happens, you have to start to think about what you're going to do. And while I didn't think it meant firing people, because Activision Blizzard had before today taken a very hardline stance about these allegations in general, it does mean that they will have to do something. And in fact, if you want to take it as a good sign, This is suggestive of an Activision Blizzard that is more willing to talk to California, more willing to try to say, hey, some of this is real, some of this is true, maybe all of it. Who knows what Activision Blizzard will do at this point? It's very difficult to anticipate. their many, many varied strategies on any given day, but it's clear now that whatever happened last week was not going to be good enough for Activision Blizzard to move forward with the same leadership. Jen joined Blizzard in January, and that's the first thing they say about her, just to make clear that although we're going to talk about how much history she has with Activision Blizzard, she hasn't been at Blizzard very long, because that's going to be something that pops up in these articles, that's going to pop up in these question marks. If this had been somebody that had been with Blizzard for 10, 15 years, you have the same questions and problems because they were ensconced in that culture, and Jen doesn't have that problem, and they put it right out in front because of that as Executive Vice President of Development, where she's been providing senior development leadership and support to the Diablo and Overwatch franchises. Jen is the former head of Vicarious Visions, which is now part of Blizzard Entertainment as of January. After many years at Xbox, Mike joined the company in 2019 as the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Platform and Technology, where he's been overseeing the evolution of Battle.net and our development services organization. Jen and Mike have more than three decades of gaming industry experience between them. Moving forward, they will share responsibilities over game development and company operations. And it'll be interesting to see exactly how that split works. Generally speaking, in my opinion, if you're going to put two people in the operational head role at a company. You have to be very careful about delineating what each is supposed to do because there's a very important job. You have to be rowing in the same direction. Uh, And you can get crosstalk, even with two very well-intentioned, clearly uh, well-experienced individuals of this type. And now that's the message. That's the substance of what you got in the employee slash investor letter here, right? That's about it. Well, the forum post goes on. It says, both leaders are deeply committed to all of our employees, to the work ahead, which I found very interesting, to ensure Blizzard is the safest, most welcoming workplace for women and people of any gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or background, to upholding and reinforcing our values and to rebuilding your trust. With their many years of industry experience and deep commitment to integrity and inclusivity, Jen and Mike will lead Blizzard with care, compassion, and a dedication to excellence. You'll hear more from Jen and Mike soon. And I did look for any statements they would have made contemporaneous to this one. Those appear to be coming a little bit later, I would still suspect, today. Now, what's interesting here is, again, you see a softening of the Activision Blizzard message. We talked about the fact that the Bobby Kotick letter was, in essence, using subtle cues to say we were already doing this stuff, but we will do it stronger. We are making a commitment, redoubling our efforts to continue doing what we were already doing because... At the end of the day, at that point in time, Activision Blizzard was still striking the stance that they were being unjustly persecuted. Here, you have something a lot softer. We are committed to the work ahead. Things aren't right at our company. We need to fix them to ensure Blizzard is the safest, most welcoming workplace, to upholding our values. And most importantly, here is, I think, the first acknowledgement that I can recall about the fact that the employees really have issued that kind of no confidence vote. Rebuilding your trust. An acknowledgement that Activision Blizzard, Blizzard specifically, has lost the trust of individuals. Specifically here, because it's public facing, lost the trust of their customer base. It's interesting that you don't see this kind of reference in respect to the letter that went out to the employees, where I think the actual problem lives. Certainly they've lost the trust of a big portion of their customer base, but the actual functioning of the company relies on trust from the employees. You don't see that same language. And so interesting choices are always being made by Activision Blizzard, including this difference in messaging for the different audiences they're trying to hit. You'll hear more from Jen and Mike soon. It's also interesting that they don't have those statements ready to go right now. Usually you'd see kind of a cascade of messages come out here. I did check the Twitter of Mikey Barra. I didn't see a Twitter for Jen O'Neill. No messages yet. Presumably, they're putting that documentation together. Again, it's very, very early in California. And then for the public, this forum post says, "We have the following message from Jay Allen Brack. I am confident that Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra will provide the leadership Blizzard needs to realize its full potential and will accelerate the pace of change." I anticipate they will do so with passion and enthusiasm, and that they can be trusted to lead with the highest levels of integrity and commitment to the components of our culture that make Blizzard so special. And I highlighted components of our culture, because this is the kind of statement that somebody's leaving, they're leaving in tumultuous circumstances, the public knows why they're leaving, they're named in this lawsuit, more specifically their name appears in the lawsuit, And so they want to craft a statement that goes out that doesn't create any other legal problems. And it's going to be vetted by management, by Activision, by the board, by everybody else. And you can see a little bit of a tug and pull here where I think it's clear that Jay Allen Brack wants to say they will help the integrity and commitment to make Blizzard so special. They want to help do all the things that have been done at this company when I ran it that made it a culture worth fighting for, except that isn't the context of this statement or what's happening. So you have this components of our culture kind of ham-fisted into the statement because it's clear that there are portions of Blizzard as acknowledged by this statement to the work ahead to rebuilding your trust that aren't what they should be and are in fact potentially damaging. So Activision Blizzard effectively has gone out today with an entirely different strategy, acknowledging problems at the company, saying we need to rebuild the public trust, firing the head of their studio, making clear to their investors that these people aren't tainted by the relationship with Blizzard for the past two decades that the state of California is saying is a problem culturally and certainly legally. And now at the end of all that, you've got an Activision Blizzard that I can't predict what they're going to do next. It certainly seems that they've softened. It certainly seems that they know they lost every bit of the messaging battle last week and the week before, and now they are flailing a little bit, and this is the first step in that process. What will come next? I can't say, but I'm sure we'll be covering it here in Virtual Legality. If you enjoy these kinds of conversations, business and law of technology, video games, and otherwise, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon. We've got other ways to support us or Just subscribe to the channel. Tell your friends we're having these conversations. Every little bit helps. If you got this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only.